Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 16 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker, alongside, as per usual, my father, Chris. Here's what we have on the menu for you guys today. Baseball is back. It's finally that where the game rejoins our lives and we become one with it. Wow, that was deep. <laughs> we will also <laughs> we will also talk Blue Jays opening day starter. Plus, Mike Wilner of Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Blue Jays radio broadcaster, joins the show. Very special guest for you guys today. Let's get right into things. Chris, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited. Mike's here. Uh, Mike Wilner, that is. And uh, very, very excited to hear what he has to say about the upcoming baseball season. As you said, baseball is back. It's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Dylan. Did you get my roses? I did get your roses. They were shipped right to the house. <laughs> good. Well, I didn't send them, so they're from someone else. Anyway, well uh, that's very a topic excited. for another day. Absolutely. Very excited about today's topics because it means baseball's back. Pitchers and catchers are reporting for the Blue Jays. I know some have already reported for other teams this week, but very, very excited that uh, today's a big day for the Jays. It is. And happy Valentine's Day to all you lovebirds out there, all you lovebirds of the game. Baseball is back. Um, So let's get right into things. As I mentioned, baseball is back. Spring training has begun for every team except for the Braves. Gotta suck to be a Braves fan right now. (laughs) But anyway, baseball is back. Games begin the 21st with the Mariners and the A's. What are you most excited to see this spring? Uh, Well, I mean, I think the the obvious choice being Blue Jays fans is Vlad Jr. Uh, But I actually think that's more of a baseball narrative than it is a Blue Jays narrative this spring. I think there's going to be a lot of people with eyes on Vlad. Obviously, spring doesn't matter and none of the results in spring matter. Uh, but I mean, I, I think the eyes will be on him, obviously looking at the decision that's coming up on whether they bring him on opening day, which we all know, uh, is not going to happen, but, uh, you know, they're still going to talk about it all spring. And, uh, and so I think that's the big storyline. I think the big storyline for the Jays in general is the youth movement that's coming. And I think that there's actually a youth movement across the game, but I think, you know what, Dylan, one of the biggest stories of baseball's uh, spring training is going to be what didn't happen in the offseason that will probably happen during the spring which is the signing of over 100 free agents that's just insane to think about the fact that a lot of those guys are still out there including harper and machado are you kidding me so this is a storyline that's actually a spring training storyline which is so odd to me but uh but i think there's a lot of fun storylines coming up this spring Uh, i definitely agree with that and it'll be interesting to see the uh, signings because there are a lot of them a lot of players that impact players that still need to be signed and like i say in every episode uh, like i've said in every episode this offseason it shocks me that they have not been signed yet but i i heard this i believe it was on mlb network radio i think it was on inside pitch with casey stern one of our guests at episode 13 um how how good are these 100 plus free agents most of these guys like casey stern said are the jose bautistas of the game who can certainly impact a team if they have a good year, but there's no way to predict that they will. So how many of these 100-plus free agents are actually going to be big-time players for their clubs that they eventually sign with? Well, I think it's it's kind of interesting because you've got you've got Casey's take on that, which is a great take, and, and I agree with that. Um, you know, you've got the Jose Bautistas out there, the Jose Reyes is out there that are probably ready to pull the plug, even though they may not be willing to admit it. But you... You also hear a Steve Phillips on the same channel in the morning talk about the fact that you could go through that list of 100 remaining free agents and build yourself a championship team just 
there. You pick and choose some of the relievers that are on there, some of the starters that are still out there, like a Keuchel. And then you've got, you know, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. And in fact, I think he ran some numbers uh, with Eduardo Perez. And they were saying something like that would even get you to maybe $186 million payroll. Nothing outlandish. And you could pick an entire potentially championship team from that free agent list. To me, that's just insane. It's ridiculous. Uh, I agree, though. But I do agree. There's a number of them. I would say the number is probably not over 100 now when you take out the names like a Jose Bautista, who's probably just at max a role player at this point in his career. Uh, But even saying that, there's still the ability to expand the league by a team and be a championship team like a Vegas Golden Knights in the first year. Uh, and, and that's insane. That is just insane. And that just is why this, this off season didn't make any sense to me. Um, and still doesn't to this day, as we roll into the, the preseason with these signings or eventual signings that we've been seeing coming into spring training over the past two years, honestly, it makes spring training more exciting because you want to see where these guys sign. But the downside to that is it makes the off season boring as hell. And yeah, yeah. you have nothing to look forward to hot stove season. Like Casey said, someone cut the gas to the stove because it's not hot anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. It's true, and mean, they did. It'll it'll be there are some really interesting storylines heading into the spring that I think will captivate us. It's a nice word. Will captivate us uh, all throughout the month of March and until opening day. Uh, now. Chris takes a break for a second as Mike Wilner of Sportsnet 590 The Fan and radio broadcaster for the Toronto Blue Jays joins the show. He and I got a chance to talk baseball, and here is the conversation. Mike Wilner now joins the show. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing all right, thank you. It, uh, it hasn't been the best offseason health-wise, but, uh, but things are uh, improving greatly, and I'm almost ready to head down to spring training. That's great. Uh, Blue Jays report tomorrow, or pitchers and catchers do at least. So let's get right into things. Uh, Mike, we love sleeper anything on this show, as most of our listeners will know. So I ask you this. Uh, it's a bit of a two-part question. Who is the biggest sleeper prospect in the Blue Jays system? And who is the biggest sleeper prospect at spring training camp this year? Wow. Um, you're, how how deep a sleeper are you looking for? Someone who's going to contribute this year or just... Uh, uh, someone that could come out of nowhere and just have somewhat of an impact on the team. Yeah, in in this season you're talking about? Yeah. In the system? Wow, okay. There's a problem with, with um, all the prospecting now and social media and, and um, you know, so many people looking uh, under corners for so many things is that there really aren't that many sleepers anymore. I mean, there, it, it's, it's really hard to find somebody who uh, nobody knows about who is going to have a real serious impact on the team. Um, now, when you say pros- sleeper prospect, you mean anybody or do you mean just like prospects, minor leaguers, kids who haven't played yet before? Ah, uh, kids who haven't played yes. minor leaguers that are it's, that it's, could come up, and I, that's probably a better question. Who's going to have the biggest impact on the team down the road? Because this year, obviously, was probably probably a bit of a stretch. Uh, yeah. Who's going to have the biggest impact on the team down the road? Do you think that? I mean, a guy like Kevin Smith came out of nowhere and and wound up on prospect lists as shortstop. 
Um, but he's he's on one of the top hundred lists. So I don't know mm-hmm. how much of a sleeper he is. Um, Adam Klaffenstein is really interesting, and, and based on on name and reputation only, you know, the Blue Jays made a deal with a, a picks just so they could wind up getting him in uh, in the third round last year. So uh, he's a, a guy who's really, really, really interesting, but he drafted out of high school, so he may be very, very far away. Um, you know, that's, that's someone I don't think too many people are talking about. Um, the, you know, the, the Kevin Smiths and Eric Pardinos and, and uh, Kevin Biggios and Bo Bichette's of the world people are talking about. Um, but maybe... Maybe like a Klaffenstein, maybe like um, maybe a TJ Zoik, who who's sort of post hype now, um, who actually could come up and contribute this year. Yeah. But there are so many people who do so much work delving into a prospectness that you know most of the sleepers, most of the people who come up and contribute are people who you thought were washed up big leaguers two, three years ago and wind up coming up and, and helping out. Um, but that those guys don't, uh, don't really tend to have much staying power though. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you brought up Kevin Smith and he came out of nowhere and d- dominated uh, Dunedin last year. So um, he's a guy, right. That could be a sleeper prospect. And I hadn't heard about um, Adam Klaffenstein. I've heard his name before, but I didn't look much into his stats, but do you think he can have an impact on the team down the road? Maybe. Yeah, down the road, that's the hope. This year, absolutely not. I mean, I think he's probably 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's someone that they were very, very interested in the draft. And, and they took Jordan Groshans first, Klaffenstein, and, and was his teammate uh, in high school. And um, they sort of made a deal to free up bonus money um, with the second-round pick so that they could take Klaffenstein with the third. And, uh, and he's, he's someone who should be on the radar, but he's someone who's unlikely to make an impact for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be sure to watch him this year and, ha- and his progressions in the minor leagues. Um, moving on now, what do the Blue Jays do? Or what do you think the Blue Jays should do with Teoscar Hernandez's lack of defensive ability with guys like Billy McKinney coming up? That's a good question. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez had a really rough year in the field last year, and it's interesting because when the Blue Jays got him from Houston, he had been playing center field in AAA and, and playing it well. Um, you know, he's not Manny Ramirez out there. He's definitely not Chris Colabello out there. And he is willing to put the work in to improve. And if he can become just an average defensive outfield, um, and, you know, the adventures in the outfield really stick out. You don't remember all the routine plays he made and a couple of the nice plays he made. But, uh, I mean, I don't think he's as bad a defender as he has painted. Uh, and I'm not sure Billy McKinney is as good a defender as some people seem to think he is. I saw him get lost multiple times last year on a few routes. Um, I think with Hernandez, if he's going to hit 30 homers and he can develop a similar eye at the plate as he showed in the minor leagues, then you invest the time in him and you try to make him into uh, an adequate defensive big league outfielder. And again, he is willing to put the work in. He understands what his shortcomings are and Way better to hear that about somebody uh, than someone who you know is not very good, but they think they're fine and, and they don't need to improve. So 
I would expect to see a lot of Teoscar Hernandez in the outfield this year. Uh, a lot of fans seem to think that he's just holding the spot for or clogging clogging the outfield for some of the prospects. But you don't think that you think that he's that he can be a big piece of the Jays in the future. I think he can be a piece of the Jays in the future. I mean, hopefully Anthony Alford gets a shot at some mm-hmm. point this year, but he's got to earn it again after he had a terrible year in AAA last year. Um, I'm interested in McKinney. I don't know that, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. He's been, he's a first round pick, but he's already been traded twice before he really made it into the major leagues. Um, and you wonder, is that because teams wanted him or is that because the team that drafted him decided that, uh, he was easy to give up and, and then the Yankees did too. So I don't know. Uh, he started off like a house of fire last year and then, uh, hit a, a bit of a brick wall. Um, I want to get a look. I want to get a look at everybody. But look, Kevin Pillar is a guy who I'm not sure is going to be an anchor in the Blue Jays outfield. Mm-hmm. I think that that there there are uh, notions that you know the front office may want to move him. They may want Randall Grichik to to they want to make, get a good look at Randall Grichik in center field. Uh, and again, Alford has an opportunity to blow the doors off and come up and and be that great. Uh, defensive and offensive outfielder that two years ago everyone thought he was going to be. So there's a bit of a log jam, but Teoscar Hernandez, um, I think this year is going to get an opportunity because that's what this year's for, right? This year is to look at guys and see what, what they can do. But, you know, Devin Travis, they're talking about him getting some time in left field, Lourdes Gurriel getting some time in left field. Um, so as long as Kendrys Morales is there, uh, that's where those at bats are going to come from, and Teoscar is going to be part of that fight. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point you raised about uh, the, well, that's what this year is for, exploring different possibilities. Because you know what, I don't think a lot of people look at it that way. Um, and obviously, the Jays aren't competing this year, or aren't planning on competing this year. So this year is going to be, like you said, to see how someone does um, in left field, like a Devin Travis or Lotus Goriel. Right. Um, so I think that'll be interesting to see. And you know what? I think that Teoscar is determined to be a piece of the Blue Jays roster down the road. I mean, just just the way he, he speaks, like you said. Um, but I mean, Kendry's Morales, in my mind, is really the guy clogging things up because some guys that might get at bats at DH can't because that's really all Morales can play. Right. Yep, absolutely. And it was the same th- same thing last year. Um, where, you know, and Kendry's got off to that awful start, but then was a really, really good hitter from June 1st on and had those seven straight games with a home run. Um, but he was taking up a spot that a lot of people could have run through um, and, and helped out the team. And, and it's unfortunate, you know, the Blue Jays signed him at a point in time where they thought that, you know, he was, he was coming off. He'd been the, the cleanup hitter for the World Series champions a year before. So uh, they, they expected to get some good stuff out of him, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's been fine, but not especially good. Um, but, yeah, he is definitely taking up a spot, and they could absolutely use that position to roll guys through. I don't think they're going to release him and eat the money. Uh, I think he is a really good mentor for Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and they're hoping for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. when he comes up. Um, but you, you never know. Um, it's, it's going to develop into a problem. Mm-hmm. I think that, that Kendrys Morales, 
has to be the DH 140 times. Yeah. Um, kind of leading into my next question. What did you mean, by the way? Sorry, before you yes. get there. What did you mean when you said that you don't think most people see this year as a year to sort of figure things out? What's your sense of, of where you think most people or what you think most people think that is going to happen well, this year? Well, I mean, the few fans that are actually going to stick around and watch games this year I do believe that, but I think that uh, there are a lot of people that think the Jays are just going to tank this year and they're just going to be bad and um, they don't really see this year as a development year. They see this year more as uh, a year where they'll just suck. And that's more of the bandwagon fans or the garbage clowns on Twitter that are going to be thinking this, right? But, um, but yeah, that's kind of what I meant when I All right. All right. said that. So yeah. um, I think there'll be more than a few fans who show up. Yeah. I still think two million people are going to show up mm-hmm. this year, at least. Uh, but do you think the signing of Freddie Galvis will stunt Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s growth as a player? No, because I don't think Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is a shortstop. Um, I thought he was okay, and I love the arm, uh, but clearly the Blue Jays saw some faults in him, and we saw a few mm-hmm. plays, like routine plays that he should have made, and he didn't, although that was at the point in time where he probably had a concussion. And, uh, and they weren't aware of it. Um, he, I think Lourdes Gurriel could serve them well as an outfielder. He's got good speed and he's got a cannon. Uh, I have, I'm wondering about second base because I really didn't like what I saw out of him at second base last year. I thought he was much more comfortable at shortstop. But the Blue Jays, by signing Freddie Galvis, are saying very, very clearly, we don't think Lourdes Gurriel Jr. can be an everyday shortstop in the big leagues. So you expect Freddie Galvis to be the Jays' everyday shortstop until Bobochek comes up then? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Galvis has proven himself that he can play shortstop at the big league level. And Guriel, like you said, made a couple interesting plays last year that uh, should have been made differently. Like, uh, there was one instance that really sticks out to me in Boston. Uh, yeah, that was when he had the concussion. Yeah. Um, you know, that was right before the All-Star break, and he just let that routine ground ball go right past him in extra innings, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had had the collision at first base in the fifth or sixth inning, and they said that they were checking him every half inning and running him through the tests and making sure he was okay. But then the next day, he went on the concussion uh, DL. So I think that, that game in Boston, um, very clearly something was wrong with him at that point in time. Yeah, there probably was. Um, finally, to wrap things up, with our last interview with Scott Crawford, we distanced ourselves a little bit from the main subject, which is the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, so we'll do the same here. Obviously, as a 13-year-old hosting a baseball podcast, baseball means a lot to me. Baseball is more than just a game. It's a way of life, and I live by it. But obviously, not everyone, especially at my age, does. So I ask you this. Is the MLB doing enough to grow the game amongst today's youth? That's a really good question. Um, and look, obviously, you've taken to it. Um, you know, you remind me a lot of me. If there were podcasts when I was 13 years old, I probably would have had one. Um, but I was, I was a, a serious from about 10 years old on. And um, I don't know why it spoke to me more than everything else did. Although I guess when I was 10 years old, I was a big Leaf fan, and I met Mike Palmatier. I'm no. sure you've never heard of him. Um, yeah, he was the Leafs goalie when I was 10. And so I, I met him a couple of weeks ago, and it was just <laughs> overwhelming. It was, it was amazing. Um, 
but I, I don't, you know, they, they talk about the short attention span of, of your generation and, and the millennials who are older than you. Um, and how does baseball, how can baseball possibly appeal to them and, and all that stuff? But look, when the Jays were great in 15 and 16, there were young people at the ballpark and not, you know, not necessarily as young as you, but there were, you know, people in their early to mid twenties all over the place, loving every minute of it. And, um, you know, that was awesome. And you, you talk about the garbage clowns, the garbage clowns are probably in their twenties mm-hmm. for the most part. Although I've, I've run to a few 40, <laughs> 50 year olds who think that way, but, you know, so named because of Andrew Stoughton, who's working for the athletic now, but who like six or seven years ago, I don't know when it started, had a, a website called drunk Jays fans and it was all early twenties. Mm-hmm. And so baseball was appealing to them. Now, you know, MLB is talking about pace of play and shortening game times and having the ball in play more often. Cause apparently a routine ground ball, the second is more exciting than a big strikeout. <laughs> But I don't know what you can do. It's, it's not going to turn into the WWE or, or you know, there's, we're never going to have baseball at the X Games. It is what it is. And it's a, a very, very cerebral game. And it's a game that if you're not into it at all, it's boring as hell. And if you're really into it, every pitch has meaning and every pitch has intrigue. And so I just, I think that, it speaks to a certain type of person. Um, you know, it's always going to be, there's going to be a core of fans no matter what. And then when a team is a contender, they'll here in Toronto, at least they'll sell out every night and everybody will come out of the woodwork. But I don't think you'll ever be able to get those, everybody coming out of the woodwork to come watch a team that's in third place, 14 mm-hmm. games out. What would you do? Well, I'd be at the get. I I go to the games whenever I can. Like I, right. But I mean, to get your buddies into baseball, what what sort of changes would um, you make? You know what? I'm not sure. I, that's a good question because I'm not sure what I would do. Yeah. See, to change the game necessarily because personally, I think that for the most part, it's fine the way it is. Um, I have. I I don't know. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. For the most part, for the most part, you don't. If, if a game is exciting and tense and close, you don't notice that it's three and yeah, a half exactly. hours long. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see wasted time taken out of the game, and I, and I like that they're limiting mound visits because you know Jorge Posada could go to the mound five times in an inning, and now they can only do it six times in a game, and that might get dropped down to four this year. I, I just the wasted time is what kills me, and. Um, you know, in an exciting game, there's not very much of it. But in an 8-1 game in the middle of August with two teams that are out of a race, it can be well, a real just, just show the game to more people, right? I mean, it, they're going to learn to love the game at my age. And if you show them a game that's intense, that's been that's back and forth, that's 3-2 to two with a great pitching, maybe maybe that'll appeal to them. And I think that a lot of the, a lot of the pace of play changes are kind of ruining – the games, such as the the, the, the one in, in the minor leagues where you have to have a runner on base in the in extra innings, that's just ridiculous. It changes that'll the never game completely. In the big league, so. It's it's barely even baseball yeah, at that. But point. that'll that'll never 
It'll never I happen in the does. major leagues. And in the minor leagues, there's a reason to do it. Uh, you know, it's, it's the minors are, are more about entertainment and, uh, and a fun family night out. And nobody wants to be there until one thirty yeah. in the morning in a, and watching an 18-inning game, right? So I'm fine with it in the minors and even in spring training because in spring training, a lot of the time, they don't bother mm-hmm. playing extra inning. So, you know, there, there are two, three ties a year, and I don't think the fans love that. But I don't think we'll ever see that in the major leagues. What I would do to improve the fan experience, though, and, and I, I'm, you know, I'm always there, so I'm not watching ever on my phone, but uh, I'm led to believe that they don't. Uh, Major League Baseball really doesn't put out much of a highlights package and instant replays and, and stuff like that outside their MLB TV thing. So maybe I would open it up to YouTube a little bit. And I would also um, be more interactive with the fans in the stands. Like, there are a lot of things that happen in a baseball game that are never explained mm-hmm. to a fan, whether it's a catcher's interference or whether, you know, if, if some guy got hurt or if, um, you know, remember the bat yeah. flip game and Oof. the inning before when Russell Martin threw the ball off of Shinsu Chu's bat, it was never explained to the fans in the stands. And I, I believe that, and now with replay, you don't have to worry about inciting crowds against umpires. They should show a replay of every play uh, multiple times. I believe that the fan in the stands should never have a lesser experience than the fan watching it. I think that's a great point. And, um, you know what? I don't, I think that an NFL like thing with replay where they, the umpires explain the call and the decision would be great for the game as well. Um, thanks so much again for joining us today, Mike. We really appreciate it. Great to talk to you. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Thanks for having me. I look forward to seeing you in the press box (laughs) for five years. Bye. Thanks a lot once again to Mike Wilner. We can't wait to hear you again on the broadcast this year. Chris, Fantastic great conversation. To join us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Amazing for him to join us. And uh, I love the insights he gave. And uh, I think, you know, it's, it's fantastic when, when we can hear different insights from everybody and not just you and I nattering at each other. So it's, yeah. it's uh, especially with people of the pedigree of Mike. And, uh, and so really appreciate the opportunity to have him on the show as well. It's fantastic to have guys like him, like you said, that can bring their expertise in the game to our show. Um, let's talk Blue Jays opening day starter. And really, if you want, we can delve into opening day starters around the league. But yesterday, an article was put on MLB.com by Will Leach, I believe that that's the, that's the pronunciation of the last name, discussing who was going to be every team's opening day starter. Leach went basic and put Marcus Stroman as the Blue Jays' opening day starter, but I personally disagree. Opening, on opening day, you tend to throw your ace out, right? Well, to me, at least, based on last year's stats, Ryan Baraki is your ace. He pitched like an ace. He was the Blue Jays' most consistent starter last year. And I wonder... Is Leach wrong here in saying that Stroman's going to be the opening day starter, or am I just still caught up in Baraki's rookie year? <laughs> You're caught up in Baraki's rookie year because it's just not going to happen. Not a chance in, in heck. There's no way uh, it's going to be it's going to be Stroman uh, unless Sanchez absolutely blows the doors off of the spring results. But I don't even see that happening. It's going to be Stroman. Montoya's going to want to make a good impression with his staff right away. Uh, let's hope it's not an opener. I, I really am worried about them going that way. But if they, but my guess would be that opening day starter would be Marcus Stroman, re- 
deserving or not, based on last year's results, uh, he's the guy. He's the leader of the staff. He's the guy who's, who's going to be looked to as the leader of the staff. And because of that, he's going to get the opening day slot unless, uh, you know, barring knock on wood, any injuries or anything else that comes up throughout the spring, like a signing of a, of a bigger name. You know what? You're right. He is the leader of that staff. And that's where I don't think I give him enough credit. He he's a veteran. He's been around the league for quite a few years now. He is the guy who's going to mentor some of the young guys and who's going to help them on their journey through the big leagues. And he is the leader of that staff. Like you said, he's the ace, even though last year he didn't pitch like one. He certainly has the capabilities to pitch like one. He showed that to us in 2017. Um, yeah, and I'd, I'd pull back on that. I wouldn't call him the ace. I would call him the number one. I, I don't, uh, he doesn't deserve the ace title. And I think he would tell you that too. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn by saying that. I, I think, you know, as you just said, he did not have ace numbers last year. So therefore you cannot call him an ace, but he is the number one for this year. Unless again, barring a signing or somebody else steps in because of injury or anything like that, you're, you're, you're probably not going to be calling this guy an ace. You're going to be calling him the number one for now. Yeah, I mean, um, it'll be interesting to see how Baraki pitches. I think the title of ace for Marcus Stroman is going to depend on how Ryan Baraki does. Uh, you really like Baraki? Because I'm not buying any of that yet. I, I don't think so at all. I don't think you're going to see a Baraki as a number one even. I think he's probably a, a maximum a two, but most likely a three or four starter in his career. Could it be a very good one? He's going to be Mark Burley. I'm telling you right now, I think the guy's going to be a Mark Burley. Yeah, but are you calling Mark Burley an ace? Maybe in his the prime, prime of his he was career. an ace. You cannot seriously tell me that Mark Burley wasn't an ace in his career. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think we'll agree to disagree on this one. I don't see Baraki becoming an ace in any way, shape, or form. I, I think maybe a two. But if you're if Baraki's your ace, you're not getting to the championship for a long time. Well, I mean, the White Sox did just fine in 2005. Yeah, with Mark he, Burley as their out. ace. Right. If he maxes out as a Mark Burley type of guy, absolutely there's a shot. But remember, this game has changed. This game's about velocity. This game's about big. This game's about strong. This game's about athleticism. And Baraki is a great pitcher. He's a finesse pitcher, just like a Burley. Uh, but he is not going to overpower you. And he's he's just not going to be that David Price type, that Chris Sale type of, of ace. But- it's just not going to happen. And the Jays, if they want to win in the American League East, are going to need that type of pitcher down the road. So I don't know who that's going to be down the road. Then, well, I can't tell you that now, Dylan. I mean, well, there's no. He's way. got he's got the velocity that you seem to care about so very I, much. Well, I agree, but you can't ask me to tell tell you that he's going to be an ace. He could blow out his shoulder. God, well, I understand that, do... but if if he stays healthy and if he performs to his potential, his max potential, is he a race? I think he's potentially an ace, or he's potentially a trade chip that gets you an ace. But either way. It's not going to be Baraki. <laughs> Listen, if you can control your pitches and if you can get swings and misses or soft hits, you're a good pitcher. And- All right, let's t- let's do this. Here's what we're going to say: if if Baraki becomes an ace, I'm so confident in this. If Baraki becomes an ace, I will buy you a car at 16, and it will be a Hot Wheels car, but it will still be a car. Ah, <laughs> uh, sure. Not happening. I mean. I'll take I'll take a Hot Wheels car any day. You know what? <laughs> Never know when a Hot Wheels car is going to come in handy. Ever bored and power goes out? You know what? Drive your Hot Wheels car around your room. Um, there you go. Listen. The Wi-Fi goes out. Yeah, that's probably a better 
better comparison. <laughs> For you, it is. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Um, but I mean, I you know what? I might backtrack on that too a little bit. I do think Baraki's going to be a very good pitcher for the Blue Jays down the stretch. Whether he's going to man that staff or not, I think there's certainly a possibility that he does. But I'm not saying it's going to be certain. So you can keep your money. You don't have to buy me that Hot Wheels car because <laughs> I will not guarantee the fact that he will be an ace down the road. I think he has Could the he be top of the rotation? Potentially. Potentially. And that's what I'm saying. I, I think he, he would max out as a two. Uh, but I think he's definitely a three and, you know, I think it would be disappointing if he's a four. So, uh, so I think he's up there, but I just don't see him as an ace. You know what? I'm not even going to disagree with you, but the thing is velocity is like, you have to be able it's to not about the velocity. You said it was about velocity. Your no, that's exact part words. of it. No, no you're exactly come on words. now. Calm down. That, that's not true. It I is said true. That you part go back. You go back. Okay. When you listen, you go back and you go listen to what you said. You said this game is about velocity. It's about big. It's about strong. I remember those words because I disagreed about with athleticism. them so profoundly. Yeah, absolutely, that's more than just velocity. But you said it's it was a about lot velocity. of things. Yeah, but it's it's yes, I did say it's about velocity, but I also said that it's other things too. I understand that, but don't go saying you didn't say it was about velocity. I did say it was about velocity. Anyway, that's not what I was saying. I didn't say I didn't say velocity at all. I just said it wasn't the only thing. Anyway, you have to be able to control your pitches. Baraki's got great control, and I think that he could be a great arm for the Blue Jays down the stretch. So, this has been episode 16 of 211 Baseball. <laughs> I love that we ended off that, on that. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, th- this, this week in baseball was not the most exciting week other than pitchers and catchers reporting, which is always the best part of the spring. Um, but, I mean, besides opening day. Uh, but, I mean, you know what? We're going to end it on that. Agree to disagree. This has been episode 16 of 211. Baraki's a long reliever at, at best. <laughs> uh, you got it. You, you, you owe me two Hot Wheels cars now if, uh, <laughs> if that doesn't come to fruition. Anyway. Uh, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day. Enjoy your day with your lover. Uh, if, no, if, if not, go find yourself someone. Uh, Tinder. All right, just pull the plug on this. Episode 16 of Two Loves Baseball (laughs) Talk is what this has been. My name is Dylan Baker alongside my father, Chris. Thank you, Mike Wilner. Yes, thank you, Mike Wilner. Go follow us on Twitter at Two Elevens Baseball Talk. No S, sorry, it's Two Eleven Baseball Talk. Uh, Go follow me personally on Twitter at DBakes11, at Three Baseball Boys 11. For Chris, go follow us on, or go like our page on Facebook, Two Elevens Baseball Talk, and follow us on Instagram at, you guessed it, 211's Baseball Talk. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you all next week.